0: and welcome to the LB School Podcast. I'm Christy Michelle, the School and Library Coordinator, and I'm so excited to be speaking to Sarah R. Bauman, author of The Light in the Lake, which comes out this September 3rd, so make sure to mark your calendars. It's already gotten a starred review from Kirkus, which said, the book offers appealing characters whose opposing interests embody what's at stake. Compassionately told, this compelling debut brings to life conservation issues and choices young readers will confront as adults. I find that it's a book that tackles grief, environmentalism, being a part of a family and community, and it's beautifully written. I can't wait till people can get their hands on it. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Chrissy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So let's get right down to it. I'm going to start off with some writing questions and some personal questions so that we can get to know you a little better. And then I'm going to ask you about the book, really get into the meaty parts of it. The first question I have is, what brought you to writing? Why do you write middle grade
1: fiction? Yes, those are great questions. I have written for as long as I can remember, but I know that before I was writing, my parents were reading to me. And I really think that that early exposure to literature laid some important groundwork for me eventually wanting to create my own stories. I have short stories, diary entries saved from when I was a very little girl. But even today, I'd say that writing and reading really go hand in hand for me, not only because I enjoy reading so much, but also just because it's a constant lesson in craft. Reading a diverse array of authors with different styles and ways of tackling stories is so good for me. So I started writing for middle grade readers about four years ago. 2015, and specifically, I've been a teacher for 12 years, and I was reflecting on my time teaching overseas, and I was wondering if there were any books out there that reflected my international school students' experiences. And I decided I wanted to set out to write one, which was my first middle grade novel that I wrote, and that one probably won't see the light of day. But after that, I wrote *The Light in the Lake* and. Along the way, I, I realized that I just love writing for this age group, probably because middle grade books are still my favorites, <laughs> even today. And also, they're the books that really cemented my love for literature. I came to identify myself as a reader and writer, I think, because of middle grade books.
0: Did you teach in China?
1: I did. I did. I taught, my husband and I taught overseas in international schools in China, Bolivia, and Germany. So we did a lot of traveling early on, and those were really rich experiences, obviously, and I'm grateful for them.
0: That's so cool. I just asked because you mentioned it, and I remember Tai from, from the book, so I, yes, so I yes. just that Yeah, and
1: I, we lived in Shanghai, which um, isn't mentioned in the book at all, but but I still have, you know, very formative and wonderful memories from that, that place. So,
0: Awesome. So The Light in the Lake is about a young girl, Addie, handling the death of her brother, Amos. But it's also about her investigating the possible pollution of a local lake, Maple Lake, and the community's involvement in that pollution. How did you weave those two rather distinct narratives into one seamless story, one that has them complementing each other?
1: I really am grateful for this question because it does force me to think about how those two parts are pretty distinct and the question about how I wove them together is a good one but they honestly came to me kind of in one piece. I I was walking in the woods with my dog and I was thinking about a lake not far from my house which I'll talk about in a bit and I was thinking about how much magic I always felt whenever I went to that lake and how if I could imagine any kind of creature living in in a lake it would be that one and and I thought about how in Vermont we hear most often about the lake creature of Lake Champlain um, champ but we don't often hear about some of the lakes in our more remote portion of the state and I just thought a story based in that area would be a really powerful one. And just at the same time, I had this idea of a girl who had just lost her brother um, in the same lake. And the environmental issues were really inextricable for me. I am always thinking about the environment, I guess, in my specific environment. I was reading a lot about some of, of the issues facing Vermont at the time. And in a way, both parts of the story deal with some kind of loss. So one is that very concrete loss of a sibling, but the other for Addie, is a sort of loss of maybe some purity or innocence about the world, the realization that, that there can be problems in an environment or in a situation that aren't always clear on the surface. And with that would come a realization of the significant responsibility that each of us bears. So in that way, I think threading them together didn't feel unnatural because I was thinking about the sense of loss in both areas. And of course, as I mentioned, environmental issues are always important to me. And I had been thinking a lot about some specific local issues and also how they played into broader ones while I wrote.
0: That's so interesting. I always love asking writers about their craft because I come from the other side of it. I always read Mm -hmm. the finished product. So I always like pick out these things that are, that's going on in the story. And I'm always like, were they like, were they thinking about this as they were writing? Were they waking up at like 5 a.m. and deciding this is exactly how it's going to be? So I always love hearing writers talk about that stuff.
1: Right. It's such a good question and I know as a teacher I've talked about that with students too because sometimes we'll talk about why the author might have made such and such a choice and sometimes they're like yeah but was the author really thinking about that and Mm -hmm. you know I can't answer for other authors but I can definitely answer for myself so sometimes we are thinking about all these kinds of things as we write.
0: And as you were speaking you mentioned magic and I just want to take a quick detour because the question was about how you took the story about Addie's grief for her brother's death and the story about her researching the pollution of Maple Lake and bringing those two things together. But the awesome thing that The Light in the Lake does is it also takes science, which mm-hmm. is really important to Addie, and we also discover that it's important to her mother, but we'll talk more about that later. Sure. And it takes magic, which was more her brother's thing. Her brother was really right. into like, believing that there's a, a, a creature in Maple Lake. It takes those two things that people think about completely differently. Right. And it brings them together.
1: It does. And I think, in a way, Addie and Amos are two parts of me because I'm the kind of person who will be out on the lake, maybe in the boat, fishing with my husband or on the beach, and I'll be looking at the way sunlight glances off the trees onto the water and imagining what could be underneath. And I'm also thinking what tributaries feed into this lake and what's happening in the ecology around the lake. So it just, they're kind of two parts of it that I look at as well.
0: In a lovely review, Bookless said that science-minded kids who read The Light in the Lake will value Addie's fact-based approach to saving the lake. The book also has lots of insight into small farming and farm living. Did you do any research for all the facts about pollution and about dairy farming?
1: So many of Addie's experiences are actually based on my own. I spent a lot of time on my grandparents' dairy farm growing up, so the scenes in the book that Deal with cows and being on the farm are pretty close to my heart. Though I didn't raise a 4 H calf on my own, my dad did. And so I checked a lot of those facts and memories against his too and talked with him about the story, which was helpful. But I also did a lot of reading about water quality issues in Vermont as I was drafting. And I did consult with Chris Stepanuk, who's a scientist at the University of Vermont and also a local dairy farmer, Megan Webster, especially during revision, just to make sure that I was really approaching a complicated issue as accurately as I could.
0: I remember there's this one part of the book that really struck me because it reminded me of my own childhood. It's when Ty goes over to visit Addy during the 4th of July, Addie and her family, mm-hmm. and I think they're having hamburgers, but he's yes. just seen, like, all the cows on her uncle's dairy farm, and he's like, are these, are these the same Eat cows? the same ones, yeah. right. <laughs> and Addy just quickly mentions how most people don't think about, like, where their food comes from. And I remember when I was a kid, so I, I used to live in Haiti with my with my family. So we lived not on a farm, but there were, like, a lot of farms around us. And people would have goats. And okay. goat is, like, something that people eat a lot in Haiti. And that would be one of the, that was, like, one of the questions that I had. Like, are these the same goats that we're all eating? Like, these goats that I, like, look at all day. So I really like that part of the
1: book. Growing up, I took, for Granted, just knowing, you know, all of our beef came from the beef cattle that my grandparents raised, which were different from their dairy herd. And I I think there really can be this sort of divorce between what we're eating and our knowledge of it. So Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to work that in.
0: And it also made me think about just how much Addie knows. Like, she's a really, really smart kid. And she's not just (laughs) smart in the book sense. She's not just good at school it's that she's so like embedded in her community she's so much a part of what her parents do and what her uncle does and what just all the adults in her community do that she just knows about she knows about Maple Lake she knows about like the woods around um around her home she's just she's she has like street smarts even though that's something that you would say about New Yorkers but she has street smarts.
1: Yeah, and I I would like to just give some credit to my high school students in, in Vermont, probably for that aspect of her, because the kids I interacted with were really tied to their communities and to their surroundings in those ways. They were working on farms. They were hunting in the woods. They were fishing in the lakes. They knew their surroundings. They knew their communities. It was definitely that kind of immersion. So I think I I probably drew on that.
0: I really liked just how she brought a whole other set of knowledge with her. I really appreciated reading that about her. So was it difficult to write about a young girl dealing with such a big topic as death?
1: It was. And I think I probably didn't fully consider the bigness of it when I initially thought of the story, just because, as I said, the story idea just, just appeared, and I went with it. But it felt difficult to deal with in a way that would honor that kind of traumatic experience. And I haven't personally lost a sibling. So I tried to draw really on my own experiences with other losses to get at what Addie could be feeling after losing Amos. But I also really wanted the book to be hopeful. It's a given that it would be sad. But I wanted Addy to be able to pave a path forward, even though that path wouldn't look like what any of them would have originally chosen. I think that in a general sense, that sort of resilience is a valuable one, something I wanted kids to be able to see was possible.
0: All right. So this is the question where where I started fangirling a little bit. I haven't read Bridge to Terabithia in a long time, but I remember how it completely changed my world as a kid. It's, it's the first book that I remember making me feel big things. Like, it was the first time a piece of fiction did that for me. Only a handful of books have done that to me since, even into my adulthood. And I realized they all have some of the same things in common with Bridge to Terabithia, mm-hmm. like dealing with grief and your world becoming bigger because of a newfound friendship or a new relationship. Mm-hmm. And books th- that come to mind are Jane Austen's Persuasion, and I have to throw that in because in all of my podcasts, I talk about Jane Austen, so I have to make <laughs> sure I continue that. And then Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon and Claudia Rankin's Don't Let Me Be Lonely, which I just read last year, and it completely mm-hmm. destroyed me. I haven't thought about Bridge to Terabithia in a while, but while reading your book, The Light in the Lake, I found that I kept on thinking about it. It, it mm-hmm. just brought that book to mind. So I wanted to ask you if Bridge to Terabithia was an influence for you, and I wanted to see if there are any other books or writers who inspired you or influenced you. And I also wanted to see if you could place The Light in the Lake on a bookshelf next to three other books, what would they be?
1: Bridge to Terabithia was definitely one of my favorites as a child, and it had that same effect on me. Mm -hmm. It stuck with me. It made me feel those big things that you mentioned, and I've never forgotten it. My own fourth grader read it last year in his third grade class, and we talked about it a lot, and it also had that effect on him. So it's just one of those books. As a child, I also loved really books that incorporated nature or animals in some way, like Where the Red Fern Grows was a favorite, and also one that deals with a kind of loss. Anne of Green Gables, anything by Madeline L'Engle I loved. And as I grew older, I really started to appreciate Julia Alvarez and Jacqueline Woodson. Wonderful writers today. Also some non-middle grade authors that I think had quite an effect on me are Mary Oliver, the poet, and also oh, yes. Wendell Berry. Just because of the connection to place and and how nature and spirituality and self can really intersect so as for the question about placing the light in the lake on a bookshelf next to three other books that is a tough one (laughs) but i think i think this book would probably appeal to fans of kate allen's the line tender which i just read last month and loved beth hodala's waiting for unicorns is another really beautiful book about a similar connection to the mysteries in nature. And then also Julia Alvarez's Return to Sender, which is also set in Vermont and gets at some of those issues around environment and farming. So I think those books would be good shelf mates for the light in the lake.
0: Now I have to read those books because I don't think I've read them. So now I want to focus a little bit more on the book itself. One thing that immediately struck me about the novel is how much of a character in itself Vermont and Maple Lake are. First, Mm -hmm. is Maple Lake a real place in Vermont? And second, how important was creating a real tangible sense of place in the book and why?
1: I'm really glad to hear that you picked up on that because setting is an absolutely essential part of any story for me. I lived in a rural northeastern small Vermont town for six years, and I was certainly very immersed in and affected by that setting as I wrote. The story really grew directly out of it, um, out of my experiences in that place. I might be someone who's particularly affected by where they live. There might be some people who are more prone to that than others, but I do think all of us to some extent are shaped by our setting. And so I like to show that in stories, to show how how characters interact with with setting and how that shapes what happens to them and how they respond to it. As far as I know, there isn't a lake in Vermont called Maple Lake. I should probably Google that, but I, I did base the geography and characteristics of Maple Lake to some degree off of my very favorite lake in Vermont, which was not too far from my house. That's Lake Willoughby. Lake Willoughby is a stunningly beautiful lake surrounded by mountains, a glacial lake. And while it doesn't face the same pollution issues described in the book, those issues are relevant to other bodies of water in the state. So it's a bit of a hybrid, but I definitely was very inspired by a specific lake as I was writing.
0: The Light in the Lake is a coming of age in that Addie is searching for what she really believes and wants And in order to find them, she strikes out on her own to do things even against the wishes of her parents. But even as she's finding herself, even as she disagrees or fights with the people closest to her, there's never a sense that she's cut off from anyone. She has what I like to call strong foundations. Her parents, her aunt and uncle, her cousin Liza, her new friend Ty, her teacher Mr. Dale, and even members of her Vermont community like her bus driver, who's her mother's best friend, and the Coopers, who bring her family food after her brother's funeral. Why did you surround Addie with so many people who care for her, even as she feels so hyper-visible in the wake of her brother's death? And how did you manage to balance the sense of belonging she feels with all of these people with how she feels that she needs to distance herself from them in order to be able to process her grief in her own way?
1: So as I mentioned, I was living in a small Vermont town during the time that I wrote the book. I will always love that place. The book really is, in a way, a love letter to that place. I think that despite the remoteness of the physical environment and the relatively sparse population density, there is always a sense of being surrounded. There's a closeness in the communities that grows perhaps out of some of the imposed isolation. And I say that in a positive sense, because it, it feels good to be surrounded as well. So even while Addie realizes that she wants some distance, she also appreciates that safety net. It felt realistic to me that Addie would have so many people from her local community by her side because of my own observations and experience and that the process of acquiring any distance would be a difficult one for her to negotiate. And I didn't want there to be a huge split. I wanted her to continue to feel bonded to her community and to find that its support of her would continue through a really difficult time and even through her own assertion of independence.
0: I really liked how she kind of ventured out like the arms of her parents and her community just got wider and wider to keep to keep holding her and then at the very end when she goes into maple lake to try and find the creature that amos is so sure is in the lake and her parents go out to find her just how they 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 embrace her at the end i really Mm -hmm. love that
1: oh thank you i think that there is that implicit support and it feels really good. And what I had Addie realizing was that there was room in her life for both some distance and for a coming back. There's a part where Barbara Ann talks about a boy who left to study conservation and then came back to implement what he had learned. And and I think You know, people can sometimes think of of small towns as being too closed in, but really there's this beauty in, in the support that can be found and also a value in finding that distance and then returning to what you know you love.
0: One of my favorite things about the book is how each of the kids do something. They each have something they love. Addie Mm -hmm. loves science, and she joins a program that allows her to research a local lake. Her new friend, Ty, loves soccer. Her cousin, (laughs) Liza, loves art. Did you feel it was important for each of the characters to have something they loved and pursued?
1: I did. For me, it was an essential part of getting to know my secondary characters. I felt not only is it realistic that they would have interests and passions and issues they were dealing with, but... It was also complimentary in a way to Addie's own devotion to science, because the level of care they each had for what they loved was the same. So that was intentional.
0: I love the agency that it allowed these kids to have, like Ty loves soccer. And he kind of does the same thing Addy does, like the way Addy goes out onto the lake without her parents knowing he like right? plays soccer. <laughs> yeah, without his right. parents knowing, without his mom knowing. And then Liza takes the initiative to actually enter this art competition that only, like, high schoolers enter, but she goes ahead right. and does it. And she does really right. well. Yeah. I thought that was really cool.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I love seeing kids who are so passionate about their interests that they'll forge ahead despite difficulties. hmm
0: As Addie is learning more about Maple Lake, she's also learning more about her own family, especially about her mother. Mm -hmm. At one point, she says, it's weird to hear her talking about the same kind of science I was just studying. There are no villains or antagonists really in The Light in the Lake, Mm -hmm. it's just people, and people are really complex, they have difficult sides to them, they have easy sides to them, and that's really what The Light in the Lake shows. But mm-hmm. there is a real tension between Addie and her mother. Could you talk a bit about the relationship between them?
1: So there's a deep love between Addie and her mother that grows, I think, in part out of this mutual interest in science and the natural world. But there's definitely also tension. And I think the tension is the flip side of that mutual interest. It's, it's based on that to some degree because their responses to it and their experiences with it have been so different. And Addie's mom also has a fear of of Maple Lake and a desire to push it away that Addie doesn't have, that Addie's own grief response doesn't include. So Addie's mom is really learning to find her own way in the midst of grief, and she's renegotiating her relationship with her daughter after the loss of her son. I always felt like her relationship with Amos was maybe a little easier, that The two of them might have been more different and sometimes that can make things feel less complicated in a relationship.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I really wanted to communicate her devotion to and love for Addie nonetheless. During that hike together near the end of the book when the two of them have a chance to talk, it's really meant to help resolve some of that tension and to give Addie's mother a chance to open up, which she does.
0: I remember when reading the book, I was really touched when Addie talks about how her mom used to hold her face in her hand. You can sense the love that her mother has for her, just how much, like the word that you use, devotion, just how much devotion her mother has for her. And I just thought that was such a lovely thing to read.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that that, that the tension that's sourced in some of Addie's mother's restrictions and difficulties can be traced back to that love and just... Fear of additional loss, and so tracing it back to that source, we get a better sense of what exactly is going on for Addie's mother.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I really liked was how the book is about Addie. She's the protagonist, and it's told mm-hmm. from her point of view and in her voice. But when she said that line about how it's weird to hear her mom talking about science, and to be as into science as she is. Just how there's this entire mm-hmm. other world that we, right. the readers, don't know about. About her mom and her parents. And how, how her parents got together. And why her mom didn't go to college. Right. Like, I had all these other questions about her mom. But maybe that's for another story. Uh,
1: that's probably for another story. But I'm, I'm glad that you wanted to know more. Because hopefully that shows that her mother felt real.
0: So. Yeah, definitely. Good. So I wanted to share my favorite line from the book. It's on page Mm -hmm. 120. That's from the galley, because I read from the galley. And I'm going to read two sentences, actually, because you need the first sentence to understand the second one, which is my actual favorite. So it goes like this. I just want to get back to the biological station, where I can dive into my questions and my research with Ty, who never knew Amos who met me before he knew that I'm supposed to be a part of someone else. I just love how it so easily communicates how the people in your life lay a claim on you, how they're a part of what makes you who you are as much as anything else, as much as place, Mm -hmm. as much as what Mm -hmm. you learn, as much as what you consume. Do you have a favorite part or sentence from the book you can share, and could you tell us why it's your favorite?
1: Absolutely. I... I'm not going to share this first thing I'm going to talk about, because I really love the last chapter, and particularly the last sentence, but I feel like I maybe shouldn't read that on a podcast, Okay. just so, so as to not spoil an ending. But I wanted to share a description of setting, and it fits in well because we talked about the importance of that in the story, and it really shows, I think, Addie's deep connection to her place. So this is a description of Maple Lake. Because of the mountains, boating out into the middle of Maple Lake makes me feel closed in, like I'm in a big, open-top tunnel filled with blue. I've hiked the trails up above on skinny paths that twist up to narrow outcroppings flanked with cedar and pine. The lake folds out below, flat and smooth, as a blue bedsheet from all the way up there, where birds swoop and dive. So, not only does... That description really bring me personally right back to my favorite parts of, of Vermont. But also, I think it echoes Addie's feeling of being surrounded, both by her community and by her environment, and how that can be comforting and freeing, even as it's technically a closed-in feeling, too.
0: The book does that so well the way her environment is a great way for her to describe how she's feeling because of this momentous thing that's happened in her life, this thing that's changed her life forever.
1: Right. I think that nature is just big enough to absorb all of that. There's never been a time when I've been struggling through feelings when I haven't been helped somehow by getting outdoors and immersing myself in the natural world. And I think it works that same way for Addie. Like nature can, can contain it all, can handle her, the complexity of her feelings and, and can ease the burden in some way.
0: What would you like readers to take away from The Light in the Lake?
1: I know that reading is such a personal experience for everyone. So I'll be delighted with whatever readers take away, but I would love if it could motivate readers to take an opportunity to look around their own physical environments, their natural surroundings, to look for nature even in urban settings. It, it works its way into just about everywhere. And to think of their connection to their own place. Consider what's happening in the air, the water, the soil, and how humans affect that. I hope that Addie's interest in the book can resonate with people in that way. I also hope that readers who have experienced loss can find some hope in the book, in that transcendence and permanence of love that Addie recognizes and and experiences by the end.
0: That was such a lovely conversation. Sarah, thank you for joining us, for your wonderful answers, and for sharing The Light in the Lake with us. Listeners, you can find Sarah online at sarahrbauman.com and on Twitter at at sarahrbauman. You can always find us online at littlebrownlibrary.com or on Twitter at at LBSchool. And of course, in our popular monthly newsletter, which has podcasts like this one, as well as author essays, videos, and giveaways. Thanks for listening, and make sure to get The Light in the Lake this September 3rd. Bye!